More than 50 years have passed since the United States government sponsored the covert invasion of Cuba that came to be known as the Bay of Pigs. Now, one of the most coveted documents dealing with the disaster has been released to the public, the secret multi-volume CIA history of the operation. Peter Kornblu of George Washington University's National Security Archive led the effort to obtain the documents, and I'm very pleased to welcome him to to today's underreported segment. Hi. Hi, Mr. Lopate. It's great to hear your voice. And uh, how difficult was it to get this thing finally released? You know, uh, forcing the CIA to release a, a secret document that it doesn't want to release, particularly if the document deals with its uh, worst blunder in its entire clandestine history, is, is kind of the bureaucratic equivalent of uh, passing a kidney stone. <laughs> uh, and uh, it uh, took uh, years of using the Freedom of Information Act and then a, an actual lawsuit under the Freedom of Information Act uh, to finally convince those in the agency we call the securocrats, uh, the keepers of the secrets, uh, that 50 years was long enough uh, and that the public had the right to know what was done in its name but without its knowledge at the Bay of Pigs. How soon after the invasion or the, the, the well, whatever we want to call it, uh, was the secret history written? Well, this particular uh, history was part of uh, the official histories written by the CIA's historical staff. And the staff wasn't really set up until the early 1970s, when um, CIA Director William Colby basically decided that the agency should have some compiled official histories, which at some point could be declassified and shared uh, with the public. Um, That's the irony of this, that... Uh, the, the official history and a number of other official histories were, were done, uh, and um, the goal was eventually to, to make them public, but it's been a struggle all these years since to, to get it out uh, so that we could actually read it. And and uh, it was written so that we could understand what we had done wrong, or wasn't that quite obvious from the start? Well, you know, there's been a number of, of major studies uh, that were top secret. The most important was the CIA Inspector General's report, which was written over an eight-month period right after the invasion of Cuba failed. Uh, and this was the holy grail of secret documents on, on, on the Bay of Pigs invasion because it contained a scathing condemnation and indictment of the CIA itself by its own Inspector General. Uh, we were able to get that uh, document declassified 13 years ago, um, and uh, it caused a major stir because it uh, condemned the CIA for incompetence, mismanagement, for deceiving President Kennedy. This well, hadn't some of that been shredded? That, that document was very interesting. Uh, it, it, there was about 20 copies made of it at the time, and the, CIA, the new CIA director, um, John McCone, recalled all the copies uh, and uh, uh, shredded uh, burns, put them in the burn bag, most of them, and two or three survived, including one that he kept in his safe at the time. And we were able to get uh, one copy found and declassified, and um, it is a very, very important historical document. But this document that we've just gotten out is the opposite. It is an official defense, if you will, of the agency's role at the Bay of Pigs, and kind of a, an official effort throughout uh, hundreds of pages to spread the blame beyond Langley headquarters of the CIA to the Kennedy White House, to Secretary of State Dean Rusk, and to other officials outside of the CIA who made decisions uh, that the CIA historian felt uh, 
uh, condemn the attack to failure. So why were they so reluctant to release this? After all, uh, it spreads the blame. On top of it all, uh, most of the people who were involved in the thing are dead by now. There's uh, not too many people they could be protecting. No, I don't, yeah, I don't think they're protecting people, but I think they do realize that the release of this document will resurrect the Who Lost Cuba blame game, uh, a game that was played right after uh, the Bay of Pigs invasion went sour, where the exiles and the CIA, you know, badmouthed and, and blamed John Kennedy for not turning what was supposed to be a covert uh, intervention into an overt invasion. Now, uh, yeah, it was planned. Is, it was originally planned during the Eisenhower administration, with uh, Vice President Nixon being a strong proponent of toppling Castro. Absolutely, and but both Eisenhower and Kennedy, and this is what is important. Both Eisenhower and Kennedy told the CIA this has to be done in a way that the, the hands of the United States do not show that the fingers of the United States are kept off of this. And why? Because the invasion of Cuba was illegitimate. It violated international law. It was kind of a Pearl Harbor-type thing where it was kind of an unprovoked attack on a small little country off our coast. It would give uh, license to the Soviet Union, both Eisenhower and Kennedy feared, uh, to simply invade Berlin on the saying, well, if you can invade Cuba, we can invade Berlin. Uh, and so there were a whole host of reasons why both presidents turned to the uh, CIA, which was supposed to be conducting operations in the gray zone of U.S. foreign policy. This was supposed to be plausibly deniable. Um, but what happened, of course, is that the agency uh, came up with a plan that was so grandiose and massive and open uh, that there was no way uh, that this could be denied. So it would have been quite obvious no matter what. But the CIA thought that uh, this rather small invasion force of a few hundred men could actually overthrow Castro? John Kennedy was told by uh, former Secretary of State Dean Acheson, kind of at the time of the, of the invasion, uh, that it doesn't take Price Waterhouse to tell you uh, that uh, 1,200 Cuban exiles aren't as good as 25,000 Cuban military and militia. Um, but yes, the CIA managed to convince Kennedy uh, that if they simply landed 1,200 uh, exiles uh, uh, with guns on the beach uh, at the Bay of Pigs, that uh, eventually the Cubans would rise up and overthrow Fidel Castro, and the Castro regime would simply crumble. There are other uh, tidbits of, of, of important information in this in this study, one of which is that uh, the top CIA officials transferred money from the budget of the invasion to uh, pay the mafia, the U.S. mafia, to try to assassinate Fidel Castro before the invasion. And the idea, the strategy there was that, of course, he'd be assassinated, there'd be chaos in Cuba, and the, the uh, invasion would be a cakewalk, um, so much easier to accomplish. But, of course, the assassination plot failed as we know, and the invasion failed as well. But there were other attempts also, weren't there? Exploding cigars. There was a powder that was meant to make Castro's beard fall out. There was a That's poisoned right. umbrella were... point. That's exactly Well, there was a poison pen uh -huh. uh, idea. Uh, and uh, the, the mole in the uh, Cuban military that they gave the poison pen to basically returned it to the CIA and said, do you think I'm crazy? You know, I'm not on a suicide mission here. Do you think I can just sit next to Fidel Castro in a meeting and prick him with this pen, uh, and I'm going to survive this? He said, give me a sniper rifle. Uh, and eventually the CIA did give him a sniper rifle, but he was uh, 
He never had the cojones to use it. Also, other uh, plans uh, had been hatched, including flying balloons that would drop propaganda onto Cuba, and they had to do tests on that to make sure that uh, they wouldn't bop anybody on the head? Well, you're referring to a piece that I wrote in the Daily Beast about our efforts, uh, you know, the, the CIA forcing us to go to court to get documents like this one uh, declassified rather than simply releasing them. And uh, we were forced to go to court to get one particular document that you just referred to, which was the CIA said was a blueprint that couldn't be declassified because it was still a viable operation. And the judge looked at the documents and he said, this is crazy. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm ordering you to release the entire document unredacted. And the document turned out to be a, 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 a report on, on, on using ships uh, anchored off the coast of Cuba. Uh, from the ships would float these helium balloons. They'd have little baskets underneath them with tchotchkes kind of filling the baskets. And a timer would release the baskets, and they'd rain down. The contents would rain down on the Cuban countryside. Uh, and it was propaganda, little records, uh, posters. Um, this was the same operation we used in Eastern Europe, where we floated uh, balloons over uh, Ukraine and, and, and East Germany with, with nylons for women uh, in them uh, and dropped these behind the Iron Curtain to kind of try and convince, you know, an uprising uh, uh, for a consumer uprising uh, in Eastern Europe. It sounds so, funny today. It sounds funny today, but it was part of the of the scheme of the Cold War many, many years ago. But our point was is that these aren't viable operations anymore. Uh, and this is part of history, and we deserve to have the history released. But that document uh, had an interesting element, which is that the CIA went ahead and weighed the the, the little toys and, and, and trinkets that were in these baskets and did gravity tests on them to make sure that if they hit a Cuban child in the head, uh, nobody would be injured. I'm talking with Peter Kornblu of George Washington University's National Security Archive about the secret CIA history of the Bay of Pigs, part of our underreported series. This is WNYC, WNYC.org. I'm Ludwig Lopate. The CIA also hoped to use sonic bombs over Havana. What are those? No, they, 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 it's part of their psychological operations that uh, were supposed to accompany the, the Bay of Pigs invasion. The idea was, was to create sonic booms uh, that would blow out uh, all the glass windows in Havana, scare the living daylights out of Cubans um, and create chaos for Fidel Castro right at the moment that the invasion was coming. Um, and both the CIA and the Pentagon went to the State Department and said, let us do this. Uh, and the answer from the State Department was that it would be, quote, too American. In other words, that, you know, it, you couldn't plausibly deny uh, you couldn't plausibly argue that somehow a Cuban plane itself had caused these sonic booms. The only thing that was going to cause a sonic boom was a sonic plane, and the only power that had sonic planes was the United States of America. So if the goal was to uh, keep the United States kind of roll covered up in this uh, invasion, you couldn't have a sonic boom. And, and that was that was a little uh, anecdote in this declassified history that was so important because throughout the history there's this whole discussion of plausible denial and a whole effort to say that Kennedy should have abandoned the concept of plausible deniability uh, and simply turned what was supposed to be a covert invasion into an overt uh, invasion of, of Cuba. But there were key reasons why the United States government felt that that could not be done. Well, the sonic boom idea was championed by General Curtis LeMay. There were also discussions about dropping napalm on Cuba. How seriously well, they did, they was that taken? They did drop napalm on Cuba. The napalm bombs were part of the arsenal that uh, these 
exile planes supplied by the CIA uh, and, and the napalm weapons were used uh, against um, uh, Cuba's uh, militia and military. A number of civilians were killed in Cuba. You know, more Cubans were killed in the Bay of Pigs invasion than, than, than members of the brigade, uh, the CIA-led brigade itself. Um, several hundred Cubans were killed by this uh, invasion, including um, uh, literacy workers who were working in the, in the Playa Hiro and Bay of Pigs uh, area at the time. Um, and napalm bombs were used, and the declassified history shows that there was a discussion about limiting their use because CIA planners understood there would be a, uh, a true you know, up, outcry uh, against their use. But as the invasion went bad, they just simply said, let's use whatever weapon we have that, that might actually turn the tide in our favor. Did uh, people in the CIA assume that President Kennedy would provide U.S. military support if the invasion started to falter? I think they did. Um, and Kennedy uh, said afterwards to his aides, the CIA never believed me uh, when I said this has to be a covert operation. The CIA was created for the purposes of, of having intelligence gathering and covert operations. And in this case, as its own inspector general pointed out, it had gone beyond its, uh, its, its official capabilities and its official qualifications, uh, its official mission, um, by making a plan that essentially was an open, open paramilitary assault on the island of Cuba. Uh, and the fact that Kennedy wanted the plan to be adjusted so that it could be plausibly denied was something that the CIA historians simply couldn't seem to accept in this thousand-plus pages of, of documents where virtually every volume has uh, a discussion about the fact that Kennedy made the political decision uh, not to turn this into an overt invasion, and that's why it failed. There was some air support of the invasion, but didn't the CIA end up firing on its own aircraft? That's a little tidbit of, of revelation in this declassified official history. You know, uh, we weren't supposed to have American personnel involved, but uh, a CIA officer was the very first person on the beach uh, at the Bay of Pigs planting a beacon uh, so that uh, the invading forces... Uh, knew where the beach was in the, in, in the dark as they as they came in from the water, um, and that same uh, operative, Grayston Lynch, was manning the guns on one of the ships that was in the bay and firing on Cuban planes. But because of the cover story of the invasion, that that Cuban pilots were defecting and using Cuban planes to attack Fidel Castro's own installations. The planes that the CIA had supplied to the Exile Brigade were configured pretty much identically to, to the Cuban Air Force. And in the midst of the fight, uh, this guy, the operative, could not tell the difference uh, of which plane was overhead, whether it was Castro's planes or his own planes. And he just fired at his own planes, and as he said in this official history, we struck several of them. Uh, and so for the first time, we have an official acknowledgment of friendly fire at the Bay of Pigs. How closely connected were the governments of Guatemala and Nicaragua to the Bay of Pigs invasion? They were our client states for us uh, during the planning of this invasion, and the, the CIA historian was so taken with the fact that CIA personnel, CIA operatives, CIA officials kind of uh, supplanted and, 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 and replaced 
the ambassadors uh, from the State Department that we had in Guatemala and Nicaragua and the dealings with those governments, particularly the Somoza government in Nicaragua, um, that he wrote a whole volume of, 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 of this history on, on kind of the, the, the foreign policy roles uh, that the CIA personnel came to play in the year uh, that the invasion was being prepared, both Guatemala and Nicaragua served as kind of territorial bases to launch, to train the, the, the brigade and to launch uh, the attack on Cuba. And the history that we've just gotten declassified has you know, really tremendously interesting details of how CIA operatives dealt with the governments uh, in Guatemala and Nicaragua, the secret meetings between Somoza, Anastasia Somoza, and Alan Dulles here in Washington, uh, and, uh, uh, and the fact that the, that the CIA mounted a uh, an effort to save uh, the president of, of Guatemala, who was uh, about to be overthrown, because they knew that if he was overthrown, um, uh, we would lose our access to the to the major base we had in, in Guatemala that was so critical for, for for the attack on Cuba. What was the reaction of our European allies? The British were upset that some of the planes uh, that had been damaged uh, were forced to land on the Cayman Islands. Well, that's still a secret part of this history. Uh, the dealings that we had with the government of Great Britain uh, when our planes landed in the Cayman Islands and were seized by local authorities, and the CIA had to go uh, to the British government and say, you know, you really have to release these planes. Uh, and the, the secret to history suggests that the CIA argued to the British government that if they didn't release the planes, Fidel Castro would think that the Caymans were being used as a launching pad for the attack on Cuba and that he might act aggressively in response. And the planes were released. But I think more important uh, is the documents we've gotten out in the aftermath of the invasion, which show that the European governments were aghast at how stupid John Kennedy had been to attack Cuba. They basically said to, to the Kennedy administration, what is the matter with you? Um, you know, this is old school, and you're supposed to represent a change in U.S. foreign policy. We live with Yugoslavia and East Berlin and all these countries right on our borders, and, and, and we're not invading them. Um, why can't you live with this little country uh, called Cuba off your coast? Uh, you, and, uh, and, and, and that was a much more sane approach uh, than, frankly, the, uh, the United States had to Cuba. Do you think the CIA learned from its mistakes following the Bay of Pigs, or have we made similar mistakes in Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq? I think that the, uh, that the CIA could have learned or been forced to learn, and that the broader U.S. foreign policy establishment under Kennedy could have learned serious lessons from from, from the Bay of Pigs, so starting with the fact that you only that, that such bald aggression only invites more danger for the interests of the United States. I mean, we should remember uh, that we invaded Cuba, that the Castro uh, regime, uh, you know, concerns, national security concerns about uh, the United States' uh, threat were confirmed, and that the Castro then took steps to protect himself against another invasion by uh, accepting the placement of Soviet missiles uh, on, his, on his territory, um, which, of course, created yet a bigger crisis. Um, if we had adopted a, a very different approach to Cuba, uh, which I think is what the lesson of that aggression is, um, we may have never had the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, the 50th anniversary of which is next year. And frankly, you know, the, the CIA faced its worst moment after the 1961 
invasion. There was talk in the Kennedy administration of stripping the CIA of its covert, um, its covert capabilities and changing its name. Um, and the CIA kept secret its own inspector general's report from falling in the hands of its enemies, not in the American public, um, but within the Kennedy administration itself. That's why they, they destroyed and, and deep-sixed and hid it's their own inspector general's report because they didn't want it to become ammunition for its critics inside the Kennedy administration, which wanted to force the lessons of the Bay of Pigs on the CIA. And, in fact, those lessons were never learned. The, the Bay of Pigs was the first covert, overt uh, operation of the CIA, and we went on to have a number of others. Uh, the war uh, against the Sandinista government in Nicaragua was a, a covert, overt war as well, a prolonged paramilitary assault on Nicaragua. And in this day and age, we have basically overt, covert operations in the, in the drone attacks on terrorist suspects, for example, that the CIA launches, and it's simply become a fixture of American foreign policy. So to answer your question, I do not think that the full lessons of the Bay of Pigs have been learned. It hasn't been learned in U.S. foreign policy. It hasn't been learned in our policy towards Cuba, which 50 years later is still essentially an aggressive policy uh, uh, focused on, on overthrowing the Castro government. Um, and uh, I look reason, forward to the secret CIA history of the weapons of mass destruction. Yes. But let me just say, finally, that, that, that for that is the reason why my organization, the National Security Archive, is so dedicated to getting the complete documentary record that's still secret on the Bay of Pigs and other aspects of U.S. policy towards Cuba, fully declassified, so that we learn the lessons of this history that are still relevant to, to, to current U.S. foreign policy in Cuba and around the world. There's still one volume of the CIA's official history, which the CIA is sitting on, refuses to declassify. We want that to be made public, and we're going to stay in court uh, hoping to, to convince a judge that it should be made public. Next year is the 50th anniversary of the, of the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, an episode in the Cold War that demands to be understood to its fullest degree because it was so dangerous, and we want every single CIA document that is still secret on that uh, history declassified before the 50th anniversary. Um, and uh, that's our philosophy, and we're going to stick to it. And thank you, Peter, so much for talking with us. Peter Cornblue of George Washington University's National Security Archives. We've been talking with him for today's underreported segment. Thank you. Thank you.